Welcome to Counterculture Parents. I'm Kurt Brunner, your host, and thanks for listening. I think this episode of the podcast may be one of the best investments of about 25 minutes you will make as a parent. What you're going to be hearing are introductory highlights from a much, much more in-depth online course that you can take as a parent, that you can take with your young person, your teenager, or your preteen, to help you understand what's happening to the brain as you make choices with regard to what kinds of media and what level of engagement with media, what kind of smart device, if any, you're going to give to your child or older teen. This is about what's happening to your child's brain and how do you make wise and often countercultural choices to give your child just a fighting chance against the onslaught of the various media that's shaping them in a direction that diminishes their capacity for what they could achieve, for joy, for happiness, for real-world relationships, and on it goes. So today's episode is all about introducing you to an organization that I think will be so helpful. You can visit them at ScreenStrong.org, and they've produced an amazing course with a a whole range of experts. And uh, through a special relationship with Counterculture Parents, Uh, they are offering a discount in taking that course. Now, before we hear highlight clips from the experts who present in that Screen Strong course, I'd like us to hear from the parents who've encountered the challenges of trying to become Screen Strong. And we said, how can you help us? We have teenage kids. All we're doing is arguing about these things. We really don't even know what it's doing to them. We, we don't know anything about what the, the brain, we don't know any of that stuff. All we know is what we're seeing physically, we don't like. When I think back to when we were sitting in restaurants and we just thought we want to be able to talk. We want to be able to, like, especially if you're with other adults, you think, I want to be able to enjoy this conversation and not have my kid be bored. But what happens is it just creeps into everyday life so quickly that you really don't even see it coming. The fact that um, Bill Gates and all of those tech gurus don't allow their children to use these and that they send them to schools that purposefully don't um, tells me everything. We pretty much thought we knew what we were doing. We, you know, handed the phone, typical on a birthday, said, here you go, we're going to have restrictions. We didn't just, it wasn't a free-for-all, so we kind of felt like we had control over it. We would check it, but the problem is, you know, once you give your child the phone, there's really no going back. And what we really lost was presence. And that, that, that power of presence with your kids. I feel like I'm really grateful that um, Screen Strong was introduced to us pretty early in Harper's life, but, but I'm, I am sad at, when I think of those first couple of years when we just thought, well, we're going on a road trip or we're going to a restaurant and that's what we thought we needed to do. A lot of times we think we're doing the right thing by giving the screen and helping them be entertained and um, it's just important for us to be educated and, and hear what the outcome is when kids just get addicted to these things. I think as adults, it's hard enough for us to not become addicted to them. So um, it's just even worse if it starts at such a young age. 
it's not a restriction so much as it is a replacement. When yeah. you are taking the phone away, um, you're actually replacing it with some amazing things. I find that they will, nine times out of ten, go outside, yeah. they will find something to do, they will play basketball, they yeah. love to swing on the swings. And I truly feel like there are mood changes that I see happen, even if it's just watching a TV show. If we will start it in the morning, like if we give them a show on a Saturday morning, I see a mood change every single time. Um, and so I just, I, we just weren't made for all of this screen time. And they can learn all of these amazing skills by not being on the screen. And it's okay to let them be bored. What Screen Strong did for us was a complete paradigm shift about what's happening in the brains, the brain science behind all of this. And knowing that really just kind of firmly more cements our resolve to take good care of our kids when it comes to the screens. I'll fully acknowledge that my home might be a little bit neater if we did iPads. <laughs> um, we're, we definitely have a, um, a lot of crafts and a lot of paper and cardboard boxes. and. Um, but when I think about the benefit, it's so worth it. It's been really cool to see the way their minds can work if we give them the chance. Since we've had Screen Strong into our lives and Melanie's really been involved, we've got presence back yeah. in the lives of our kids and it's been an amazing fruit that's come from yeah. this. Uh, from Definitely. This. I try to look at the, the long-term goal here and I think that in the end, um, you'll never regret um, limiting screens. It'll, it'll never be something that you regret. I'm sure every parent can relate to much of what we just heard from those parents. Now we're going to turn a corner and we're going to listen to highlights from some of the experts who present in the ScreenStrong.org courses. And I've asked Olivia Kernigan, who's one of the producers behind what you're going to hear, to explain to us the ScreenStrong philosophy and then bridge us between some of the clips that we're going to be listening to in the next few minutes. So the next voice you're going to hear is Olivia Kernigan from ScreenStrong.org. The average child spends over 52 hours a week in front of electronic media. It's no longer a question as to why managing our children's screen time, from their toddler through teen years, has quickly become the most significant parenting challenge today. Recreational screen use, such as video games and social media, can be entertaining, but these activities are not designed with your child's health or best interests in mind. Our current culture assumes that such screen activity is mandatory for our youth but it's not. Parents are in a dilemma. We do not want our kids to feel like outsiders because they don't have the same technology as their peers. We worry they won't have any friends and that without certain devices, they'll fall behind or be ill-equipped for the future. Yet we know they are not reaching their potential and their mental health is declining. Thankfully, ScreenStrong has the answer. ScreenStrong is a nonprofit organization committed to providing education, resources, and science-based recommendations for families struggling with toxic screen use in their homes. To be, quote, ScreenStrong is to make a countercultural choice to move your child's entertainment and social life from the online world back to the real world. ScreenStrong has five core values. One, 
build healthy families. Family connections and values are stronger when parents' influence and leadership are greater than peers and screen culture. 2. Eliminate toxic screens. Technology can be a useful tool, but toxic screens, video games, social media, pornography, is harmful, is not mandatory for any age child, and cannot be balanced. Moderation is a myth because a moderate amount of toxic screens still harms children. 3. Develop life skills. Learning life skills are more important than screen skills. 4. Prioritize authentic relationships. True communication and connections are developed in person, not on a screen. 5. Dare to be different. Saying no to the use of addictive and toxic screens through adolescence is the best prevention for screen dependency and addiction. All of ScreenStrong's recommendations are backed by scientific research from experts in the fields of early childhood brain development, child psychology, and more. One of the forerunners in this space is Dr. Victoria Dunkley, an award-winning child psychiatrist who wrote the book Reset Your Child's Brain. Here's a clip where she explains her term, electronic screen syndrome. Screen time actually is very much like a drug. In fact, it behaves in many ways like a stimulant, not unlike caffeine or nicotine or even cocaine. So it actually raises arousal levels. and It also releases a large amount of dopamine, which is the feel-good chemical that's involved in all addictions. It actually changes electrical activity, it raises stress hormones, both the fight or flight and cortisol, the chronic stress. It disrupts the body clock, and it even shifts brain blood flow. So there's more blood flow in the primitive part of the brain and less blood flow in the higher thinking part of the brain. So when you combine all these things together, you can see how the brain is going to start to malfunction. Over time, screen time affects which pathways get paved in the brain. So the reward pathways get overdeveloped and the other pathways and other parts of the brain are underdeveloped. And we can actually see these in brain scans. We can see there are certain parts of the brain that have atrophy or shrinkage and in general the brain is less connected. So screen time causes a brain to be smaller and less connected. Now because screen time affects the part of the brain that controls mood regulation, focus and impulse control, it can cause all sorts of problems. It can cause the child to look like they have ADHD because they can't pay attention and they're impulsive. It can make a child depressed and anxious. It can cause rages and meltdowns and even create a bipolar picture. It can make autism worse. It makes it harder to read and learn. It makes it harder for them to follow directions and to form relationships. So all of these things can be affected. So parents usually recognize that screen time has an addictive component and that it's hard to manage. But what they don't realize is that by addressing screen time, they might be resolving a whole host of other issues that aren't so obviously linked to screen time. It takes 25 years for the brain to fully mature. So it's not realistic to expect kids to learn how to manage screen time on their own. They need our help. In fact, the very part of the brain that affects self-control the frontal lobe is the same part of the brain that gets impaired from screen time. So what makes the most sense is to delay exposure and limit exposure as much as possible. 
ScreenStrong founder Melanie Hempe has been speaking against toxic screens and educating parents on the effects of excessive screen use on developing brains for over 10 years. Inspired by her own son's journey through video game addiction, Melanie is on a mission to rescue the screen-driven generation. During her presentations to parents, educators, and medical professionals, Melanie always highlights what she calls the three things I wish I knew about brain development. And there are three things that are super important, I think, for parents to understand. And this is the first thing, that it takes 25 years for this frontal cortex to develop. And in the first workshop I did, I had this on a handout, and I'll never forget, a mom in the back of the room, right after this slide, she stood up with that handout and she said, Melanie, this is all I needed to know. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, if we had only known we were raising our kids that we're treating them like adults at the age of 15. This is a really bad idea. Their brain isn't developed yet. Their frontal cortex isn't fully connected. And sometimes we try to parent around it in a way that doesn't work because it's brain development. We have to realize what we're dealing with. So that's really important. Another thing about this slide, that you cannot speed this up. So think about that. You cannot speed up maturity. It's impossible. It's a medical impossibility. Just like you can't make your wisdom teeth come in sooner. There is just a process that will happen. And I think parents are trying so hard to make their kids mature. And I'm like, just relax. Just enjoy this stage. It's going to be gone before you know it. The second brain fact that's super important to understand is that activities shape a child's brain. So what they are exposed to changes their brain. So everything that you do, this is why I wish they had told me this. And I'm a labor and delivery nurse. You know, I should have been telling all my patients that everything you do to this child is going to change their brain, especially when they're little. But dirt roads become paved roads. Connections in their brain, they have tons of connections, but they're all not working so well. The more they do something, the more it gets paved. So, you know, all the things we'll talk about in a minute. The more they read, they're going to get better at reading. The more they run, they're going to be better at running. So this is really critical for parents to understand. I think we think that our kids are born with all this fully connected brain and, and it's not. It's super important to understand this. The, the third thing um, or, or part of this particular point is the connections. You know you've got your gray matter which is your neurons. Well you know what the white matter is. It's the myelin. The myelin is like the, the pavement that paves these neurons to make them work faster. So that's why little brains are more gray than big brains. Our brains, our brains are, have more white matter because we have more experiences. So children don't have the speed of connection that an adult does. You wonder why it takes them so long to make a decision, why they can't pack a suitcase for a trip. They can't think ahead that quickly. So white matter is really important when we are developing a brain. The third thing is this thing called neuronal pruning. Oh my goodness, this was so scary when I found this out. You're kidding me. What you don't use gets pruned away. And so we gotta grab and use as many neurons as we possibly can because by the time they hit puberty, the ones that they're not using are gonna get pruned away. Now think about this, when we apply it to a child's development, when you apply it to a video game addict or a, a social media addict, they're not using all the right connections those are going dormant and they're going to get pruned away by puberty. That's why it's easier actually to learn a foreign language before puberty. It's harder to learn it after puberty. This is the reason why, because these, these neurons, because the brain takes 20% of our calories. So the brain has to be efficient. The brain cannot 
keep things on board that it's not using. Playing video games is the number one form of entertainment for most boys and young men. Not all gamers become addicted, but many can exhibit behavioral problems and, quote, fail to launch due to excessive gaming. Melanie's son Adam often speaks about his struggle with video game addiction, which led to him dropping out of college. Here's a clip of Adam describing how easy it is to fall into the trap. It's just a slow kind of change over time. It's like the frog getting boiled. What happens is like your reality shifts. And what happens is it more turns into like the game is playing you instead of you playing the game because the game is your new world and everything outside of the game is fake. Because And it's just like a pain to have to go like, oh my gosh, I have to go eat. You know, like I can't believe that I have to like get, leave my world and go do something else in this other dull world that doesn't give me the massive dopamine hits that the video game does. Because that's really what it is. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing that exists that's natural that's going to give you that level of dopamine because it's a drug. Like that's what people I think don't really realize. Like heroin doesn't make you high. Your brain makes you high. You know, it just either excites or inhibits certain things in your brain. I mean, your brain has all this stuff in it to make you high. I mean, that's just what it is. It's just a, it's a, it's a drug addiction. Um, and that's basically what it was, you know. It's all the signs, you know, I had to hide it. I had to, I was feeling bad. I was feeling sorry for myself. I couldn't do anything. Obviously, I stayed in my room for a whole week and didn't even leave. Like, I mean, it's just... I mean, that's just what it was. It was just, yeah, depressed, just a, I mean, it was just a drug addiction. And it's that, again, it's just that, I mean, that's the best way that I can describe it is it really is like, you got to try to understand like to people that are addicted to video games, like the real world isn't the real world. As you're getting these dopamine hits over time, your subconsciousness legitimately believes that the video game is good because it's like, oh, you're progressing, you know, you're you're getting better, you're making progress. And it's because it's like, it's like every 10 minutes is a new progression thing. And you can't get that in real life. You know, that's not going to happen. You're not going to make advances even in a week. Nothing really measurable. It takes months to build something. There, people want the, the quick fix. You know, that's just society today. Everyone wants everything quick. They want everything now. They want the new car now. You know, they'll go into debt for it. They'll they want the get rich quick whatever they want to do they want a lot of results for no work and that's what video games offer you you know i mean you you put in work or whatever but it's not work cuz you enjoy, it's like it's you're getting high off of it it's just a drug you know and there's a, i'm just saying you enjoy it but i mean you can enjoy your job but it's totally different your job doesn't make the rest of the world uninteresting to you your child is literally not only are they shooting people all day, but they're also associating all of that dopamine with it. They're associating the feeling, the feel-good feelings with shooting people because the more people you kill, the higher your score is and the better you feel. And so, I mean, it's just kind of a mental association. You get, you start to associate shooting people with 
feeling good. I will say that it, it definitely dulls the value of life um, and their empathy. You know, you play violent video games enough and suddenly you're, you're starting to be mean to other people for no reason. You're snapping at people. You're, and, it, and it moves out. You, just, you continue to want to be dominant over other people. So if there's like some kind of conversation, then someone says something wrong or whatever, then you jump down their throat because they mispronounced a word because you just have to dominate whatever. You have to be superior to people because that's where you get your sense of self-worth is by either dragging other people down or just doing whatever you can to get above them. And it's just, it's not conducive to, you know, a healthy environment. You know, if you don't get bored of it, then you're at risk, I would say, for addiction. If you, if you can, if you can just sit and play video games for hours, because some people just like can't do that. Some people just can't sit and play for that long. Then you're, you're predisposed though, if you're even able to do that. And if you spend time thinking about it, if it becomes, again, it's just the whole thing back to that's your reality. When you're in the real world, then if you're just thinking about like, oh, like how could I be more efficient for my game? Like what do I need to do next? Oh, I need to go gather herbs so I can do whatever, make these potions and then we can do our raid tonight or whatever. And um, if that's like what you're thinking about because that's your existence, like then you probably have a problem. If it's just all of your thoughts are just about the video game and you just, everything that you do is you do it so that you can go back and play the video game. That's where you know that you have a problem. The worry most parents have is that if their children don't have smartphones, social media, or video games, they will have no friends and fall behind in their peer groups. While this is a myth, and in fact the opposite is true, this continues to be the number one concern for parents. So here is a clip of four screen-strong teens describing what it's like to grow up without toxic screens. I don't really think that middle schoolers should have social media because I think at that age it's kind of like it's starting off this like culture of everything that you talk about is dominated by social media. Everything that you do is dominated by what did someone else do, uh, what was on their story. Um, it just becomes this culture of talking about things that don't really matter. And it fosters insecurity because rather than finding your identity in yourself, the place that you're drawing your identity from is other people's definition of success or attractiveness or intelligence and things like that. I also think it's hard for girls because of like the comparison game. Like it's really hard looking on social media and seeing like supermodels and stuff and like yeah. how like the beauty standard is just so mm -hmm. promoted on social media. It's really it's just tiring and exhausting and it's just, it doesn't make you feel good. Not having social media or video games gives you more like real friendships. Like if you're really popular on social media, people are just gonna be like, oh, I wanna be your friend, oh, I wanna talk to you or something. And it's like, they don't really, they just wanna be like, oh, look who I know, look who I'm friends with. They don't really care for you. Like they don't, they just see who you are on Instagram. They're like, oh, I wanna like be with this person. But if you don't have it, people don't have that incentive to be like, oh, I just want to be with them just because of how popular they are. So the people who do want to be your friends are more real. Yeah, I gave up all social media for a week back in 
November, but it wasn't just social media. It was getting rid of my entire phone. I wasn't allowed to text, like literally do anything except for schoolwork. And then I could call people on the phone, you know, not having it for a week was amazing. Like it made going to school and seeing people so much more exciting. Having those face-to-face -face interactions with people made it so much more enjoyable. Yeah. People sometimes ask me, they're like, do you even have a life without a phone? It's like, I answer them, well, I have, I very much have a life. I have better friends, like, in person that I've met, and I, I don't know, I'm able to interact with them better than if I had social media and only interacted with them over social media. ScreenStrong is an invaluable resource for countercultural parents because the very nature of being ScreenStrong is to go against the culture that says all children and teens need a smartphone, social media, or video games. The ScreenStrong lifestyle is an alternative way to raise kids in a screen-dependent world, figuring out how to get the best of what technology has to offer while leaving the problems behind. The best place to start is with the ScreenStrong lifestyle course. This course has three parts. The first part is Kids, Brains, and Screens, where you'll receive a deep dive into brain science, the teenage brain, and how social media, smartphones, video games, and pornography affect your child. The second part is the ScreenStrong Solution, where you will learn how to set up your home for success, promoting the use of a few healthy screen applications for your children and remove the uses that have become toxic. And lastly, you'll have access to ScreenStrong's 30-day digital detox, where you will be guided on how to remove the screens from your home and how to replace that time with life skills and other fun activities. The ScreenStrong Lifestyle course uses science, research, and real-life testimonies to guide your journey. The tools at the end of each lesson equip you to apply the content to real life. It's science and education translated into action. If you're ready to reclaim your kids from their virtual world and reconnect your family, ScreenStrong can help encouraging you to stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, and stay strong. Well, as I said at the beginning, uh, I was just trying to give you an introduction, and hopefully what you've heard today has whet your appetite to go much, much deeper. Now, you can access a discount code to take the more in-depth course from ScreenStrong.org by looking at the notes section of today's episode. I hope you found this helpful, but also a bit of a prod in the direction of courage as you make the countercultural choices necessary to guide your children's media habits and, as a result, give their brains a fighting chance. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Counterculture Parents is brought to you in part by DryFaithHome.com. We help churches reach and disciple busy families. If you appreciate this podcast, then I encourage you to support your local church, which is your most important reinforcing community.